Hi, welcome to the Winners Find a Way show and podcast with your host, Trent M. Clark, three-time World Series coach, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, having started 12 companies, coach to the 1%, and an international speaker. This show is going to be your go-to podcast for facing adversity, being inspired, and overcoming obstacles, all from the best in the world, business, sports, and leadership. Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system, and L-thionine for brain health. Rebellious Infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Hi, this is Trent Clark, CEO of Leadership and Serial Entrepreneur, international speaker, and longtime coach in professional baseball, coaching in three World Series. And welcome to the Winners Find a Way show. I am super yeah. excited about my guest today, Brad Chiat. Brad Chiat on the Winners Find a Way show. Super excited. You're going to love this LA super phenom, musical guru. <laughs> Brad, bring us up. Take us into the show. Hi, man. <laughs> I love it. That is Brad Chiat. I love it. Brad Brad is the owner of Fuel Music and Sound, longtime entrepreneur, but it is a crazy background. And I want to get into that in just a minute. Before we go, winners find a way. Show up. This is your first time joining us. Have you ever faced stiff adversity, felt like the losses are mounting, and you need to find a better way? I think you've come to the right place, whether you're already an entrepreneur a athlete, a business leader looking to get better, or you're just starting your journey to being elite, this is the place. This is the show. This is the podcast you need to be on because we talk about some tough stuff and some great things, and you will get some lessons along the way. So, Brad, before we introduce you, tell them where people can find you. Where are you online? Probably the best way is just type in my name. It's interesting because I am the only person in the world with that name. So that's really? the, the last name is tough, but yeah, that's kind of the cool thing. So if you type in my name, you will find me uh, and you can go to fuelmusic.com. Love it. Yeah. Are you on social LinkedIn, all that? Yeah. LinkedIn's a good place. Do LinkedIn, you know, Facebook and Instagram, not as much. It's just, I only have so much time in the day and I really try to connect directly with people. I try to reach out, call, text, but I do keep a presence, especially on LinkedIn. And I don't know if you know this, but it's important to have an, a good LinkedIn profile because if you type in your name or look for yourself, that will be the second or third thing that pops up. So they Not have true. that will be something that comes up. So if you want people to find you, make sure you you know put a little time into the LinkedIn. That's an important one. I'm thinking this this like like your set background should be your LinkedIn big profile. <laughs> the the British pillows, man, like you got it pretty dialed in right there. Yeah, like the studio's looking pretty sweet, right? right? Well, cool. well, so you can't uh, see this side, but the side you're not seeing is all the electronic stuff because a lot of you know music today is done with electronics and synthesizers and all that stuff. Yeah. And then on that side of the room is more the acoustic side. So the room, yeah. the the evolution of the spaces, it just divided up into half like acoustic, which is where you really feel it. And then the other half production where you do all the electric work and computer work. Well, I like it because that's the stuff behind you. I know I start seeing yeah. the soundboards and stuff. It just looks like hieroglyphics, right? Like, I don't know what it, you know, I don't know what it does. I don't know what it means. I just look at it and I'm overwhelmed already looking at soundboards all the time. Well, that's, that's inspiring. That that's where you get your inspiration. And this is, 
this side of the room, which you don't see is where, you know, you got to do the work and it's where we are today. But, you know, I think a lot of music and a, and a lot of passion and inspiration comes from playing real instruments. So yeah. I really try to incorporate that. And- well, I love that. I want to get into that a little bit because I, I think that matters for a lot of people who always see the end product and go, oh, isn't this gr- great? You know, you see the cover of the band and they're on the album and they got their gear yeah. and all But like the work behind the scene that goes into the jingles for the commercials, you know, the sound going into music and production, you know, all those things. We No one thinks about the labor of love, right? Yeah, they got to go in. Sometimes it starts with just a little recorder, like a little handheld, or yeah. I used to have a little micro or my phone. If I just have an idea, I'll just like, you know, hum it in. That's sometimes where it starts. You just play around on the piano, but it's, uh, it's passion, but it's also a lot of skill where you learn just like what you do. It's like putting in the hours to get good enough at it. So when you have an idea or an inspiration, you can bring it to fruition and make it happen. So it's, it's not just about having an idea one day and, you know, Oh, I want to do this. It's like, you got to put in the hours and the work and this room is so true. Let's jump in. Brad Chyatt, owner of fuel music and sound (laughs) head of TV music over at Grooveworks. And you're a late comer a little bit to the entertainment industry, because what most people don't know about you, Brad, is that you used to be a pocket protector where, you know, you were an aerospace engineer that's right and and you talk about the pocket protector but when you're in that world that's status what you keep in that pocket protector like if you have your gauge and your nice pen and your little ruler thing it's like it's like status man yeah is is that like the letters after your name like you know in the real world like in your pocket right well realize you need those but you're wearing like a a shirt and a tie when you're engineering back then and you had those little plastic things or else the pencils will leave marks and it's important and you know that's your tool set man and yeah i was an engineer i worked you know when i got out of college i got an engineering degree and i worked in aerospace and defense I worked on the F-18s, the Harrier, like defense contracts, vertical launch missile systems. And I was out on the shop floor, but I used to have a clipboard and I used to have like during work, I'd have a little clipboard and I'd be like writing music notes and stuff for like lyrics. For oh, really? <laughs> so you knew like, hey, you weren't sure you were in the right seat, even though I'm sure there's kids that at 10 years old would be like, that's exactly the seat I want to be like. I didn't know that seat existed. Yeah, I was doing engineering, which was cool, but I didn't even know that I had no idea that, you know, this is in the 80s. Like today, there's so much talk about, oh, do your dream, do your passion, you can do music. But back then, that was not the case. So I did music for fun and a hobby. And then I got my engineering degree. I got a job and I had some money. So I, was, I went to the music store to buy some equipment because now I'm making some money so I can have fun. Yeah, yeah. And there was a magazine there. And on the cover was this guy who did music for commercials and jingles. And I, I read it and I was like, wait a second, you can do that for a living? Like, like I was like, oh money? my God, like, like yeah. that's a career. And then I started like... You know, I had like my little equipment I bought, you know, and back then you did everything on cassette. It was like really not like today, but and I used to write songs and then the local radio station, I mailed the cassette tape to the local radio station and they started playing it. So they'd be playing the Cure, Depeche Mode and then one of my songs. And it was like so exciting to hear yourself on the radio, especially back then, man, there was no internet, no spot, none of that. It was just like, it was like radio. It was cool. Well, let me, uh, let me, let me touch on that because you've got this engineering and you've got this passion Boston, right? Like weren't they MIT grads? They were all like high level tech. Boston. That's what got me back into music. I was engineering in school. I kind of put the music down and my brother, who's, he's such a badass. For my birthday, he bought me the Rockman, which was the guy from Boston, Tommy Schultz. It was like it was like small, but you plug your guitar into it, 
and you put headphones on and it sounds like you're in a studio. It has like reverb and delay and distortion, which at the time, unless you went to a studio, you couldn't get. So that kind of got, yeah. so it's his fault. He got me pumped <laughs> up. It's all your brother's fault and Boston. They're, those two guys. Well, yeah, all, those yeah. guys screaming. Yeah. But you know, it was like, it was so exciting. And and if the job I had was better when you work for a government contractor or, or any big company, you're very limited in what yeah. you can do. And I'm very creative. And you know, one of my breakthroughs, and as you get older, you learn more about yourself. And I learned that I'm an entrepreneur and music really important to me. And if I don't do that, I will not be happy. Mm. So I, it's like almost like a curse. It's like you, you have to do it, even if it's not maybe financially in your best interest and you got to take a shot at it. You just have to do it sometimes, man. You know? So in, if you don't have that have to passion. It's not the crowd recommend, but for some people, you know, we have to do it, man. It's just like, there's yeah. no choice. Well, I think it's, um, it's so good. And by the way, financially, this has worked out. Okay. Hasn't it? Like you're you doing know, okay here. Fortunately it has worked out, but I got to tell you like the first year, like I quit my engineering job and, the, and that was a, it was a tough decision to even do that. Cause obviously my parents were not super supportive of it. They like, you know, you have an engineering <laughs> degree. College, like, right? you're, like, I think my dad was afraid I was going to move back in with him and his new wife. That was the fear for him. Like, like okay. you know, stick with your job. So I was engineering and I really wasn't digging it. And, you know, it was really tough for me to, to, oh, to decide, you know, what should I do? And there's a couple of things that made me think about it. One was I asked myself the question, you know, I was trying to take the finances out of the equation. So I asked myself, what would I do? And I thought if I won the lottery and money wasn't an issue, then I would quit my job and, you know, get recording equipment and do music. And then I thought, well, why don't I just quit my job and do that? And even if I make no money, I'll be living like I won the lottery. That's what makes me happy and, and makes me feel whole and brings me joy. And I think a lot of people get caught in the money trap and they're just working for the dollar and then they end up having to buy things to try to feel happy. And I remember so many uh, engineering students and friends of mine in college, they're in college students, they get the job. First thing they do is they get a new car, car payments, apartment, and then all of a sudden they have this nut every month and you're stuck. Yeah. And I remember when I graduated, it's one thing I did not do, you know, it's tempting to buy the new car. Like everybody, you know, you got the job, you can afford the monthly payments. But I knew that then it would restrict my freedom. So I kind of learned how to delay gratification and know myself enough to what's going to make me happy and what's not, which I think is you know, super important. Very powerful. Plus, knowingly or unknowingly, right, you went to your passion. So you did spend some money on some equipment that ultimately could serve you because when all of a sudden you do this cut and say, hey, I'm going to go out, you don't just stop, right? You go, hey, I'm going to upskill. I'm going to go on and enroll at UCLA's music school, right? And you're like, you already got an engineering degree and you're like, you already got a job, right? You go to work yeah. in the business, a little job, right? And something that you can do, make some money. And you enroll in school, still not having the big overhead, but yet investing back into Brad and really ultimate fuel music, right? That's that what it'll become. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's having the passion to invest in yourself and really it's things you want to do because you're going to to be, I think, an entrepreneur, and I think all entrepreneurs will agree with this, it's a lot of time and studying and trying to figure stuff out. And that passion is what keeps you in there when things are tough and things are not going well. There was a lot of years where it wasn't, you know, I moved out here. I didn't know anybody. What I was doing when I moved out here, it was pretty funny. I was, I put an ad in the New Yorker magazine, a little, like one of those little ads in the back of the magazine. It was before internet. Okay, no, none of that stuff. Yeah. So I put a little ad in there and I did this, this thing I called gift wrap. And I wrote this rap song and then I put the ad in the New Yorker and people used to send me like pages of information about like someone's birthday or, and I'd write the lyrics and I'd make the tape and I'd send it to them. It was like a roast. It was like, like making fun of who they 
dated and where they yeah. came up from. But I had like, it was expensive. So I had some pretty famous people sending me pages of really personal information, which I don't think would happen today. But <laughs> it was funny. But so I was doing that, trying to make money. I remember my sister asking me, well, how long are you going to do this for before you go back to engineering? You know, and I'm like, and at first I was like, well, I'm going to give it a year. Right. And then in a year, it, you know, it wasn't, you know, what going to happen in a year, then, you know, two years and it's still not quite rocking. And then I'm saying, well, I'm going to give it three years. And then I was approaching three years and I realized this is just what I have to do. I'm just going to keep doing this. And I think it's when you reach that point where, you know, it's like when you set a timeline or a way out, you ask yourself, well, how can I get out of this? What else can I do? But when you make the commitment, you're like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. Then you just ask, no, yourself, no how can I make this successful? Yeah. And it's the questions you ask yourself are so important. Like you, you got to ask yourself empowering questions and the right questions. And I think when you're like truly committed and even quitting my job and moving out for a year to try it, it's not truly committed. That's trying it for a year. But when I was like, I'm just going to keep doing this because I wouldn't enjoy anything else. And it would be for me personally, soul wrenching to go back to work for like a big company, unless it was music or something, you know, unless it's my thing. So uh, that's, I think when the turnaround where it was just like, you really start being creative and clever and thinking about how you can make it work. That's awesome. I mean, you finished music school at 36 years old, but you have all this musical experience now. And now you have a degree serve you. Did it get you where you wanted? I mean, it gave you credibility, right? Well, the engineering was great because I didn't, I wasn't sure what I wanted. I didn't know myself well enough, but I think it's about solving problems. And what I found is, you know, it's interesting. I know several entrepreneurs and we know a few people, they have like plumbing businesses or, or, you know, motor boat business, but they're not plumbers or sea enthusiasts. They have like these degrees and like economics or different things. So it's, I think you learn a lot of skills in school. You learn how to finish things, how to come up against a lot of obstacles. And for me, you know, solving problems and working through stuff. And at the time, there really wasn't TV film music school that didn't like there wasn't like orchestration for film school. I just there wasn't didn't exist. I mean, you could take there were some music schools like where you could learn concert piano, but Juilliard. Yeah. So uh, I just learned it on my own. I just bought the equipment, read books where I could get them. And then after I moved out here, you know, I didn't really quite have that skill set. So UCLA was offering classes and they actually had teachers who did did it for real. So that was amazing. But that was before they really had, they were just starting these programs up. But it's really about doing it yourself. I get a lot of kids will go to Berkeley or these film and TV programs and they'll send me a tape like, hey, you know, if you're looking, but they don't, they don't even have the equipment. Like some of these guys, it's like they take the class, they read the book, they might do a couple of assignments and the stuff is just, it's terrible, man. It's like they don't have the passion or the hours. You know, it's like, and what I love about, like in engineering, like you get your resume and your degree is important, but in music and creative, it doesn't, no one cares at all about where you went to school or what you did. They just want to hear that tape or see that video. It's like, is this stuff rocking or not? Is this great or not? So that's really what it comes down to, which Mm. I think is cool. It's about performance. It's like, if you're an athlete and you're great, no one cares where you went to. Yeah, we see that that now every Sunday, right? Like you come in the NFL and you got like Troy State. Well, how come that guy, if he was so good, why didn't Alabama or Florida or Michigan sign that? Like, it doesn't matter where you came from. If you can play, you can play. Yeah. And they prove the passion because some people yeah. have the passion and it's just like what they have to do. And they put the hours in. You got to put the hours in, man. All right. So tell us a little bit about is there is did you have one of those most like impactful moments where you were like, man, I'm a, I'm a kid. And, you know, somewhere between like those years where 
you just knew like, hey, I am destined to be in the music industry. Like I am going to be LA. I, I'm going to do this and go set my, and well, plant my flag. And they're yeah, going to go Brad I'll tell you, you know, when I was a kid, basically the career choices were engineer, lawyer, or doctor. I mean, that was like, you know, that was ingrained in my head. So it took a while for me to really realize that music could even be a career. And, and like, when I tell you, when I saw that magazine, it was really like, holy, you know, like this can be yeah. a career. And then there was difficult thinking, is that like, is that possible? Can I really do that? Do I really want to do that? And I, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I had this huge epiphany on this trip I took to Chicago. And at the time I was engineering, but I was still working for this import export company. You know, I knew I wanted to work for myself and be an entrepreneur. I love old cars. I'm really into like muscle cars. And I wanted to get in, like work at a car designer was really part of the reason I went to engineering school. So I found that in Japan, they love our old muscle cars. So I hooked up with this guy in Japan and we were going to restore cars and, and send them over to Japan and do this whole business. So I go to Chicago to meet with this guy to see about buying some old cars. So I've never been to Chicago before, you know, I'm from New York. So I know cities. I live in St. Louis, go to Chicago. I get there and I get in like 11 o'clock at night. I'm hungry. I figured, you know what? I'm just going to go down the street and grab something to eat. So I start walking down the street and it's like deserted, man. It's like the twilight zone. It's like the apocalypse. And Chicago, especially then, it was like a work town. So at five o'clock, everybody goes home. So it was dead and it's cold, man. Like Chicago is the windy city. I'm not like, it's like windy, man. I'm like walking into the wind, trying not to fall over. It's like crazy. So everything's closed. I'm like walking around and I finally see this one hotel with lights on. And it's this beautiful art deco building. So I figured I'll just go in there, warm up, ask somebody. So I go in this hotel and lights are on and there's nobody there. It's like, I haven't seen a person. I'm starting to freak out. And it has all this old Salvation Army furniture. And I'm like, what is this place, man? So I finally figure out, I'm walking around, I'm checking it out. And I realized that it used to be this beautiful hotel, but now it's, um, it's an old age home. So it's converted. And I could just picture like during the day, all the old people like in their walkers and wheelchairs, you know, waiting for someone to come visit. And no one ever comes. And I'm just picturing this. And it's like late at night. It's like midnight now. And I'm just thinking like they're probably all up their rooms with their little IVs and bedpans and, you know, stuck watching Matlock. You always get this, hear this vibe like, you know, oh, you can do what you want. Doesn't matter how old you are. You can always do your dream. But the fact is there comes a point where you can't, it's like you lived your life, the game's over, you're up in one of those rooms and you could like, you can't do it, man. So there is a time constraint when you can do things. And I just, I pictured myself up in one of those rooms. And when I was walking around, I saw this, you know, I was walking around the place, I saw this big box of records. So, you know, I'm into music, like records, flipping through the records. And I see this one country artist that keeps coming up. And there's this, and I really recognize the guy, but you know, there's one of him with the truck, with the big hat. And there's one of him with his guitar and the two girls and with him with the dog, you know, all these albums from like the fifties. And I'm thinking that, you know, all these albums are here because this, this guy's in one of these rooms now, like this is his stuff. And this is him when he was younger, but now he's up in one of those rooms. So I'm just, I just kind of put myself in that place. Like if I was in one of those rooms and what it would be like, you're just like, you lived your life and it's done and you just have your memories and what you did and your regrets. I thought if I was there right now in one of those rooms and I could go back and be you know, young again and, and, and have a do-over, what would I do? And I figured, you know what? I got to at least try to do the music thing and my passion because the worst thing that could happen is you could get to the end of your life and be in that room and like have not even tried. Like if you try and it doesn't work, you know, you tried and, you know, it didn't work. But if you don't even try, man, how, how can you live with that? You know, it's over and I didn't even make the effort. You know, I, that I could not do. 
So I realized that, you know what, I got to just go for it. And that's when I went from coming out to California and deciding to do that and just deciding that I'm going to do what it takes to make it happen. Cause you know, this is your one shot and you can always go back to doing working for somebody or doing that. So you got to, you know, for me at least make that effort. And I'm not saying that's for everybody because everybody, you know, some people are entrepreneurs. Some people just want to work for a company and go home to their family. But for me, that was my journey and what I had to do. That is so good. That's such a good story, right? And I, and the foresight of a young man to kind of feel that, right? To be in that moment, like that's impactful. I, mean, I think a lot of people get into that situation at 75 and go, yeah, too late. Man. I wish I would have, I could have, I should have. And then we start running that broken record, right? In our, and looping it back. Yeah. Like if this decision would have been different and it's living for me, it's living in regret. And yeah, I can't, yeah, that's, that's to me, that is like the worst. And, you know, I, I heard an interesting study. I remember when I was in engineering and I was reading something, heard something that most people spend more time planning a vacation than they do planning their life. Most people don't, they're just like, yeah, I need a job. Look in the paper. Okay. Take that one. You know, it's like, they don't really plan their life. And I, I went to school in Florida. I got my first job in St. Louis. I was in St. Louis at my desk, 6.30 every morning. I had to be there at 6.30. I remember the first day I thought it was just for like to, to show up for the you know orientation, but every morning I had to be in my tie at my desk. At, and I'm like not a morning person. That was tough, but I designed. <laughs> now I'm in California. I live near the beach. I have a recording studio. You know, I tell my kids this, that was by design. That didn't just happen. That was thought mm. out, planned, premeditated. You know, I thought of you know how I wanted my life to go and you can't plan everything, but you need a direction and you got to really think about what direction you want. Love it. Okay. So let's pivot a little bit to, I love the quote, Chris McChesney, Sean Covey, four disciplines of execution, winners when shown data that they are losing, find a way to win. So let's talk about this time where you're down or, you know, maybe you're up against it. You know, you're losing, like it's not going the way you want it to, but you found a way to come back and win. Like you're down, but not out. Talk to me about those moments of how you turn that around. What happened? Take us to the moment. I think it's really about asking yourself the right questions and that way you'll find solutions. You know, it's like your, your brain's amazing. You'll, whatever you ask it, you're going to get an answer for. So you have to be super careful what you ask it. You know, why does this suck? Why am I losing? Why am I not doing well? And I think that's part of when you make the commitment. An example would be, I remember when I came out here doing music, I was getting a few little jobs, and but it was, it was financially tough. I wasn't like, I was maybe paying rent, you know, like barely rocking it. And then I read this thing and I had this idea for doing these commercials for car dealerships and trying to syndicate it. And this was in the eighties. This is before internet or any of that stuff. So uh, it was a song that would work for Honda dealers. So I called, there was no way to get the information on all the Honda dealers. You know, you could, you could try to call for one, you know, information 411. So the local Honda national association happens to be in Torrance. So I called him up and I said, Hey man, I have this old Honda, which I don't I have a Camaro, but I had like a 67 Camaro. But I said, and I'm driving cross country and I'm afraid it's going to break down. Can you give me the list of the dealerships? And they're like, Oh, sure. So they sent me a book with every dealership in the country, phone number, address, like everything. I was like, wow, cool. So I sat there for a whole summer and I, I produced this jingle that was for Honda dealerships. I thought it was really good. And I just called every one of them and I played it over the phone for them. I like, plugged my cassette deck into the phone jack and played it for them. 
and it was really hard. You know, it's like you're getting no, no, and, and they're not interested. And I'm like, oh, I kind of play this thing. So I decided, you know, how can I do this and make it fun? Because I'm not digging this and I'm not getting results. So this place had a broken hot tub. So I had the hot tub fixed and I made like a picture of like margarita and I'd sit in the hot tub with the phone and my list of Honda dealerships. And I'm like, started calling people like, hey man, how you doing? You know, and, and now feeling good. I'm enjoying the process, starting to get some response, making some sales. They're turning me up to their ad agencies. And that like that turned into like a whole part of my career working with these car dealerships and ad agencies and licensing songs. I mean, that's become a big part of what I do that helps me when I, the TV shows and things like that slow down. So I, I think it's just really asking empowering questions and being committed and, and trying to be clever. You know, I always picture like the LA freeways just jam with traffic and you don't want to be in that lane with everybody. You don't want to be a sheeple, you know? So always try to figure out what's the off-ramp. What's the thing that everybody else is not doing that I could do differently? You know, what's the mm. pivot? You know, how can I stand apart? So, you know, I think those are things you have to ask yourself and work through. Let's talk about this one. Like you got, I mean, you got a very unique ability to take a, a different lens that other people don't take, right? And maybe it's the exactly. creative, maybe it's, you know, I don't know. But what do you think the superpower for you, for Brad, that separates you and catapults you to the 1%? Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. Rebellious infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Thank you for listening to the Winners Find a Way show and podcast. Trent, together with the leaders who shared their learning and experiences through this show, are grateful for allowing them to help and support you on your journey to becoming your best. Write a review, rate us five stars, and share this episode to your network.